Good morning, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Stop the Shutter Curtain. As always, it's your boy, Devin Hine. But unfortunately, as of late, Luke and I were not able to get our schedules to work. So it's just going to be me this morning with you. There is no way, there's absolutely no way that Luke and I were going to not put out content. There's no way that we were going to underperform because our Green Bay Packers sure aren't. So why would we, folks? I don't know if you missed it. If you're listening to the show, I really doubt that you did, that our Green Bay Packers, the number seven seed in the NFC, the team that no one gave a shot to, right? That we were, we were just going to get steamrolled by the Cowboys. I actually do believe that every single one of those, as my father would call them, the talking knuckleheads, every single one of them in the pregame Fox show picked Dallas. Absolutely nobody gave us a chance. You, you watch all those... Sports talk shows, Skip Bayless, all those guys. No one gave us a fighting chance in hell. And yet our Green Bay Packers go into Dallas. You blink your eye. It's 27 to nothing. 27 to nothing. Final score, 48-32. After we do a little Joe Barry garbage time, Zane Anderson, you know, stat pad for Dak. Good for him. Maybe help him get his contract in the offseason. An absolute demolishing of Dallas. I'm struggling to remember a Packer playoff game that we just destroyed an opponent so vigorously. I mean, for a second, I popped back to the the 2010 traditional game against Atlanta, but that game was back and forth in the first half. Yeah, we uh, we got a touchdown ahead, the Tremont pick six, and the game kind of got away, but it was not even remotely close to this. We put our foot on Dallas's jugular, and... Until the very end, we did not let up. And thankfully, the lead was large enough that we could not prevent the win. Our Green Bay Packers, 48-32 over Dallas. I'm still having a little bit of a hard time believing it. There were points in this game that reminded me it was last season when we played the Vikings in Green Bay. And Keyshawn Nixon had a, a kick return for touchdown. And Darnell Savage had a pick six. I think it was after my birthday, and I was like, did my... Am I okay? Like, did I get something funny in my drink last night? Because this doesn't seem like this should be reality. It was poetry unfolding in front of my eyes. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who felt that way watching that game against Dallas. But enough of that. Let's get to our usually scheduled programming of I think and I know. I know it's been a few weeks since I mentioned my old friend Josiah DeGuara. Luke's right. I'm sure he's laughing when he's hearing this that he hasn't done anything in the SACOM lately. I can't tell you the last time he had a catch. can't tell you the last time he probably had more than five or six snaps in a game. This team, this team especially, is all about guys stepping up when we need them to and doing their 111th. I know it's very Bill Belichick, but I mean, there's a reason he's probably one of the greatest coaches of all time because it's just the truth. And I believe it was Aaron Jones' second touchdown run. They ran a counter and Josiah was charged with blocking Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons is absolutely one of the top edge rushers in the NFL. The man is an absolute dog and a game wrecker. And I know it was a, a low block and it wasn't anything crazy, but Josiah still took him out of the play to spry Aaron Jones. His days as a Packer may be numbered, and I am sure that I am going to fall well short of my predictions uh, for his, his yardage total for the season unless he really goes off in San Francisco. I'm not holding my breath. I know that I'm going to be holding lunch. I'm going to be owing 
Luke a lunch for that bet. Regardless, if this is the end for Josiah, he's going out right, and I'm happy for you, man. I know that we like to remember and, and romanticize and just go back to the 2010-2011 wide receiving core. You think about all the weapons we had. We had Donald Driver, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, um, Greg Jennings, for Michael Finley. Like the, the options that we had were so numerous. And while we don't have any of that super high-end level, right? Like we don't have an elite Jordy Nelson or Greg Jennings. Like those guys are all pro. Donald Driver was earlier in his career, but at this point, obviously he was the elder statesman. But man, oh man, does this offense kind of give me a similar feeling of that? Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, Tucker Craft, Luke Musgrave, even Bo Melton. With this team, sort of like in 2010-2011, you really can't predict who's going to be going off. I remember my friends back then would always give me so much crap because they would they would draft Jordy Nelson or they would draft Greg Jennings in fantasy football. And they'd always be super pissed at me when Aaron would, you know, throw to James Jones for 150 yards that day or be Michael Finley. Like, for fantasy, that offense is very hard to predict, as is this one. Jaden Reed who's been one of our hottest targets this entire season and a key playmaker for us. He's a staple of the offense. He's someone that we want to get the ball to. Had zero catches in this game. Zero catches in this game, and we put up 48 points. This game, it was the Romeo Dobbs show, and we're going to get into it more a little bit later. But it's just the fact that it's it seems like it's a different guy every week, right? Bo Melton was our first 100-yard receiver which I'm not bringing out the negativism, oh, we have a 100-yard receiver. It's because we spread the ball around so much. But the fact that it was Bo Melton, and now all of a sudden, like, I'm feeling good when I see him and when we're like 12 personnel with two tight ends and two receivers, and one of them is Bo Melton, him and Christian Watson, Tucker Craft, Luke Busgrave. Like, before the season, you might have been like, oh, okay, well, let's, let's hope the tight ends are developing. Why is Bo Melton out there? But I couldn't be feeling better about all the speed and power that we have on the field, like even just in that formation. Heavy personnel to run, but if you hit the play action, you got four athletes. You got four guys that the defense has to focus on there, even Tucker Kraft. I firmly believe that he'll be a starting tight end on most offenses in the NFL. And we got to see Luke Musgrave back this weekend again. We'll get into it. I'm going to be jumping all over the place. I'm not the only one, I'm sure who when they're talking about this game is super excited. But Luke Musgrave has shown us some things on Sunday too, man. All right, let's jump around. Let's go to the offense. We came out swinging, folks. We came out swinging a hammer named Aaron Jones. He has always been a killer of Dallas. Always. He's been their Achilles heel. He's got that sombrero, man. He's from El Paso. You know, and he was home and he makes... Jerry World, his home. It's not really Jerry World when Aaron Jones is there. It's more like Aaron Jones' world. Aaron Jones, fourth straight game, I believe, of over 100 yards. But what I really want to focus on here, a point that cannot be missed, is that he started the game with seven rushes for 25 yards. That's what? 
3.2 yard average. I'm not the mathematician here. You know, this isn't a math podcast, folks. 3.2 yards per carry average. And I remember him getting stuffed. I believe it was Micah Parsons on one of the very first runs of the game. But we kept with it. We talk a lot on the show about Matt LaFleur's anxiety level and how there's such a difference when he abandons the run and makes it was more so makes Aaron, because I, I feel like for the most part, he's done a better job this year with Jordan, but makes the quarterback have to put the team on his back. And that just completely changes how defenses can play you. The pass rushers can just pin their ears back. You get one dimension like that, you're going to be in trouble. And we've seen that over the years for sure. But LaFleur stayed with the running game. In these four games where Aaron Jones had over 100 yards, it's also because he's had 20 touches. And the fact that in a playoff game against a team loaded with studs, I mean, there's a reason, folks, that no one picked us to win this game. Dallas not only was, I believe, like 11 or 12 straight wins at home. You got Micah Parsons. You got Deron Bland, who's leading the league in interceptions and has like six pick sixes. I swear it's like every time we turn on SportsCenter, he's taking another out route to the house. You got CeeDee Lamb. You got Dak, you got Tony Pollard, you got Brandon Cooks. I mean, this team is loaded with dudes, absolutely loaded. And when you're playing a team like that, there can be a lot of fear about, all right, we got to keep up with these guys. This is going to be a shootout. LaFleur stayed with the running game. And my, oh my, did it absolutely pay off. I thought the run blocking was pretty tremendous. Things were schemed up very well. It was a lot of counter traps where you get to allow Aaron Jones to use his vision. You had Tucker Kraft and Josiah on a lot of those key blocks. Luke Musgrave as well. Even bringing in guys in the, like some of our receivers in tighter formations. You saw Dontavian Wicks. You saw Christian Watson, Jaden Reed all blocking their asses off. Not only at the line of scrimmage on bigger guys in the box, right? Like putting Jaden Reed in the box to block someone, or even Bo Melton, those smaller frame guys, you don't think they want to be there. But when you see their effort, when you see the heart, when you see the tenacity in which they were engaging and hunting um, players in Dallas uniform to spry Aaron Jones, like you can see why the running game was so successful. Jaden Reed, I believe it was, at one point went to the sideline and told Aaron Jones, he's like, I love you, man. Like That's why I block so hard for you, because I believe in you. And it was such a just such a great moment to see. Seeing a wide receiver who has no catches in a playoff game go up to his running back and saying how much he loves blocking for him, like you just don't hear about that. Just another sign of how connected this team is. You know, I felt like in the past we've had some teams that seemed really together. And with all the adversity that we've gone through this season, you can just tell that these guys really have their like each other's backs. The running game was the key all day. Not only are you just moving the chains, but then what are you doing, folks? What are you doing? If you listen to the show long enough, you should know exactly where I'm going. Because you establish the run, you set up the play action. And my, oh my, did we murder Dallas with the play action. We had several deep crossers to Romeo Dobbs. Off of play action. Especially those first two drives. I, I believe we hit him uh, deep over the middle twice. 
later we hit him where we we ran what looked like was going to be that same type of concept with a, a deep over uh slant just something to the middle and instead on the play action he broke back to the outside and i think a 25 yard gain so lafleur was was dialing it up with the play action which we've talked about so many times how much lafleur excels at marrying the run and the play action because they look the exact same. And Dallas's linebackers and Dallas's secondary members were definitely copy and flat footed a couple times because of how scared they were of Aaron Jones in the running game, which I mean, hey, with what he was doing, they should have been. No, Romeo, Romeo. I don't know, man. I I don't know if he needs to consider getting a name change. You know, Romeo, love, romance, all that good stuff. But I just got to say, folks, when he was down there in Dallas, there was no love. He was straight up breaking hearts. The man went over 100 yards. He was by far our leading receiver. Six for 151. And it was six catches on six targets. It didn't matter if it was over the middle and contested. His touchdown catch was on a fourth and two when Jordan Love scrambled out of the pocket. Was just able to buy some time. Romeo comes back, sits down makes a, a strong contested catch. Um, he also had a couple, one of his catches was a strong deep post over Deron Bland, who, as I mentioned earlier, is becoming one of the top flight corners in the NFL. What couldn't Romeo do? Honestly, I think it was his best game as a pro. And like I said in the intro, you just don't know who it's going to be. Like defensively, you know, we don't have that top end town, right? Like, there's no clear C.D. Lamb, but I think that makes this offense more deadly. Because is it going to be Dontavian Wicks this week? Is it going to be Jaden Reed? Is it going to be Bo Melton? Hell, it might be Josiah next week. I don't know. we got so many tools in the tool shed, and we're using them in so many fun ways. And if we're talking about tools in the tool shed and being used right, we got to go to Luke Musgrave next. we got to do it. Luke Musgrave only had three catches. 52 yards, though. We saw a couple times getting him out in the flat, using the advantage of his speed and the matchup if it was man coverage or just getting out faster than the zone was. Um, he did have a really nice toe tap catch. We talk about that big frame, makes it easier for Jordan, makes it really easier when you got that type of, of awareness of the sideline and your body. Great to see the young man continue to develop. And then in the third quarter, after Dallas had it got the game a little bit closer. I believe it was only maybe three scores at that point, but they, they had just scored on a couple of drives. It seemed like, you know, maybe, uh-oh, are we going to get the Joe Barry defense? Is the offense going to do anything? And we drove right down the field. A couple nice runs by Aaron Jones. Uh, there were, I believe there were two runs on that drive of over 10 yards for him. And what happens then? You run the play action, and we run a wheel across the formation. It's a play action. Luke Musgrave's on the left side. He slips through the defense, runs all the way to the right side, and goes down the sideline. If you watch the All-22, which is the uh, the tape, it kind of is – the perspective is from behind the offense. If you ever watch somebody play Madden, like that's the perspective of the All-22. And if you watch the All-22, you don't see All-22 on that play, folks. You see one. There was nobody on the screen. For Luke Musgrave, absolutely nobody. One of their safeties eventually comes over, but like they got got on that one. And after the game in the uh, in the locker room, when the floor was 
talking to the guys at one point, you know, he yells, and Musgrave didn't fall down, and they all went into a cheer, which I know is something that Luke and I have always talked about. When I went to the Rams game, when Luke Musgrave scored, my dad texted me immediately and was like, Luke didn't fall down. So I'm glad that that was something that I've, I've brought up with a couple people and that Matt LaFleur brought up as well. But couldn't be happier for the young man. Tucker Kraft had a, a couple nice catches. There was a really tough one where he had a toe tap as well. Really good body control from him to keep a drive going. I mean, and we're talking offense. We we got to go Jordan Love. The man was 16 to 21, 272, three touchdowns, no interceptions, no sacks. Passer rating of 157.2. There was a late incompletion of Tucker Kraft or he would have had an absolute, literal, perfect passer rating. The man was tremendous. Tremendous. You're seeing him making throws off every sort of platform. There were several times where he threw it off his back foot and it looked like a lob to Jesus and it somehow falls into someone's lap. Usually it was Romeo Dobbs. Shouldn't be surprised with this game. The best play of the game for him, though, in my opinion, on our third touchdown, the Cowboys show cover zero, which means they're sending everybody, except for the guys in man coverage, at Jordan. Jordan audibles the protection, gives himself two more blockers, keeps his guys in, and then he's able to just hang in there against the pressure because he knows he's going to get drilled. He's able to hit Don Tavian Wicks on just a deep slant over Stephon Gilmore, who is, I know he's a little older now, but he is still, in my opinion, one of the top corners in the NFL. He's no schmo. Absolute beautiful pass. Beautiful pass from Jordan. Beautiful recognition of this of the blitz, getting your guys into an advantageous play call, and then just hanging in there when you know the pressure is coming. I mean, with Jordan, I think we identified pretty early on how calm, cool, and collective it seemed like he was. And you wondered if in bigger moments, like, you know, his first career playoff game, if that was still going to be the case. It would be understandable to be a little rattled. It would be understandable to to let some of these throws get away from you. But Jordan was on it, and if if you're watching any of those talking heads, man, everyone's saying that he's it now, and it's like, well, it's about time the guy showed up. Welcome, welcome to the party. Where you been? Let's flip to defense, because you don't get out to a 27 to nothing lead without some ball and plays from your defense, and with how much we've crapped on Joe Barry this season, we we got to give credit where credit is due. I thought up until the uh, the prevent to win fourth quarter, Joe Barry's defense was exceptional. You have standout plays. You have the interception from Jair Alexander when we were up seven nothing. The receiver Brandon Cooks ran. I call it like a reverse zig where you just you run to the sideline and then you cut back in. Jair, sticky as can be in man coverage, goes over his back, overextends, like catches the ball through him. It looked like some sort of glitch. Catches the ball through him. Uh, he did pick it up and run it back for what we thought was a touchdown. Apparently, he was um, tapped down. No issue. No problem. Aaron Jones is going to punch it in two or three plays later. But beautiful play from Jair. I think a lot of us saw or heard about uh, him photobombing, videobombing, whatever, a reporter outside Lambeau Field this week. And he's just yelling, the pack is back. There have been times where Jair Alexander has disappointed me. I'm sure I'm not the only one. You know, he does he does talk big game, but there are moments like this where you see it, where you're like, yep, 
That's why we pay you all that money. That's why you're all pro corner. J.R. Alexander, thank you for stepping up. We need you to. Speaking of guys in the secondary, Keyshawn Nixon. When we were up 14-0, Dallas was driving. And I think it was like a third and five, third and six, and Dak is rolling out. And it looked like he had clear grass in front of him. I thought he was going to be able to take that or or find somebody open deep, you know, behind as he was, as he was running right, that someone would be running to the right with him deeper down the field. And Keyshawn Nixon with the tenacity comes up, sacks him. I mean, with Keyshawn, he's one of these guys that I feel like sometimes almost doubts himself when he's on the field. You know, would maybe have slowed up and not finished that play, but but he went right for Dak. He put him in the turf. It was a beautiful play. You'll love to see Keyshawn playing through his pads, believing in himself, trusting his instincts. It was honestly one of the biggest plays of the game. Shortly after, Darnell Savage. Darnell Savage. Dak Prescott's trying to hit CeeDee Lamb on just kind of like an in and sit down. Looks like Packers are, in, are in, probably in some form of cover three where you had uh, two guys covering the middle, including Savage. He came up from deep, and he just read Dak the entire way. It was a 60-yard pick six, and he could have walked in for half of that. Absolutely beautiful play. Darnell Savage playing like a Savage in this game. You know, we have talked about how hit and miss he can be. And kind of like Nixon, it's, it's sometimes you just it looks like he's – doubting himself out there and before you know we had the chicken wing attempted tackles but darnell not only trusting his instincts on that play and taking it all the way back to the house but he was out there he was hitting people you know he he hit Dak when he was trying to run out of bounds once not like illegally or anything but he was like hey you, you want to run like i'm gonna make you feel it other good performances on defense i thought kenny clark had a pretty good game uh we had a couple sacks lucas van ness my boy Iowa zone, Barrington zone, I got you, Luke. He had a sack. Devondre Campbell had a sack. Preston Smith had a sack. Preston Smith also had a pass batted, batted down at the line of scrimmage. All in all, pretty good day. Pretty good day for the defense. Really an incredible performance. And I would, I would have not seen that coming in 100 lifetimes. We did a pretty good job against the run as well. I believe that Tony Pollard finished like 40 yards. 56 yards, 3.7 yards per carry. We kept him in check pretty well. Dak's numbers were inflated by the end of the day. He finished with 403, three touchdowns, two picks. A couple other things I want to touch on in this game. Anders Carlson did have another miss kicked. It boinked out. Thankfully, it didn't come back to bite us this time. I'm hoping it does not against San Francisco. Need more consistency out of you, buddy. Thankfully, he usually does a good job of bouncing back when he misses, but we'll just see how this unfolds. And then just kind of general game flow, like, I know that we were up 46 to, to 16, something like that in the fourth quarter. But then once we began to pull all of our starters, you know, we had Zane Anderson in and he got exposed a couple of times. There was a deep ball, I believe, to C.D. Lamb. And then they went right back to Zane Anderson for the touchdown right after that. Like, we had Sean Clifford in and whatnot. This, this game got, I mean, decently close towards the end, 48. 32, I can understand not wanting to hurt your guys, um, but it was a little early to be pulling Jordan and most of the starters on defense. Thankfully, it didn't come back to bite us. Uh, Jaden Reed did have a nice onside kick recovery, too. I guess that was his only catch of the sorts of the day. Good to see him getting involved any way that he can. But just don't, don't let your foot off the gas that much. 
let Jordan finish the game. It's a playoff game. Keep the guys in on defense. Unless somebody like reaggravated something, like there was no reason to to see Zane Anderson in when I heard no reports of injury to Savage or to Jo or to AJJ. There was just no reason for it. Overall, pretty good day for Matt Lafleur with his decision making. I just would have liked if he would have made a different one when it came to pulling the starters. I know I'm not the only one. He's probably feeling a little nervous about that we have to go into San Francisco. How many times has this team beaten us in the playoffs? Kaepernick once. The uh, the game where he really put himself on the map. We had like 160 yards on the read option. They came back to Lambeau the year uh, after, or maybe two years after. Picked us out again. We can all remember the 2019 NC Championship game where he most ran for 4,273 yards before contact, and we were absolutely steamboated. It was stretch left, stretch right, stretch left, stretch right, end of the Packers season, good night. And then maybe the most painful one, I believe it was 2021, where the six-seed San Francisco 49ers came into Lambeau on a very snowy day, and I cannot remember a better defensive performance for our boys. But blocked kicks and some hijinks were the end of us. And that was one of the most painful Packer losses that I can remember. I had went to a, a local sports bar right by the hospital I work because I worked that day. Thankfully got there before the kickoff. And I just remember you know, trying to keep myself calm and cool, right? Because it's off the curtain. So I'm, I'm around a whole bunch of Bear fans. And the absolute dejection that I felt when that game was over. I got up. I went to the bathroom. And I walked out of that place and I felt like somebody had died, like it was a funeral. I drove home in the snow. I got back to my apartment. I sat down. I looked at my blank TV for like five or 10 minutes. My cat was pawing at me, probably thinking I'm crazy, which, which is fair. But at the moment, I mean, I'm sure all of us were feeling that way. Who about scar tissue with San Francisco teams of old? And the San, the San Francisco team now is, is not. It's not going to be any easier, folks. I mean, you got all pros everywhere. You got Trent Williams, a left tackle. You got George Kittle, tight end, over 1,000 yards this season. Brandon Ayuk, who's a draft darling of a lot of ours, over 1,400 yards. He's finally hitting his stride. I believe he's averaging over 18 yards per catch. He's lethal, my friends. He's lethal. He is a deep threat. You got Debo, of course. Can't forget about Debo. You got Christian McCaffrey, one of the best backs in the league. Defensively, Nick Bosa, Chase Young, Eric Armstead, Hargrave. Red Warner, Dre Greenlaw. Remember when they used to have Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman, and now they got pretty much the exact same thing? Like, how do we think that was possible? How do they keep on finding these absolute stud linebackers? Then you got Hufunga on the back end, who he reminds me of Troy Palomalo, looks just like him, and he plays with the tenacity. He hits just like him, too. Maybe not as strong, but the resemblance is uncanny in multiple ways. This team was one of the league leaders defensively, the 49ers, in sacks and interceptions. They are aggressive. They are going to get after you. Brock Purdy was the only quarterback after week 11 that had a higher passer rating than Jordan Love. So we're going to have a matchup of the two hottest quarterbacks in the NFL, and that should make for a wonderful game in and of itself. Yes, the 49ers are loaded 
loaded. They struck gold with that roster. Yeah, pun intended. You're welcome. And we have scar tissue with this team. We have old wounds. Even just looking at that uniform, my stomach begins to churn. But it's not all doom and gloom here, folks. I'm not going to sit here and say that we got no chance. Uh-uh. That's not this show. You go somewhere else if you want to hear that. Is it going to be a hell of a challenge? Yeah. But how do we get it done? How do we get it done? Starts on offense. Run the ball. Matt LaFleur, you saw what happened in Dallas. Even if we came out running the ball slow, like I said, seven rushers for 25 yards. You keep going. You keep pounding. You keep wearing down the defense. I was watching Packers Unscripted this week, and Mike Spofford had a really good point, so I'm going to Got to give him credit where credit is due, but there's no way I was not going to be bringing this up. The 49ers' rush defense yardage total is third best in the NFL. But the yards per carry average is only 14th. What does that tell us? It tells us that San Francisco is boat racing people. Only one of their wins came from within seven points. So they're getting up on people, and they are not allowing teams to run the ball. We have to establish their run. Not only does it set up the play action, not only does it get guys moving out of space, which, good heavens, playing Fred Warner, the best middle linebacker in the NFL, we need all the inches that we can get getting him out of position. Not only does it wear on the defense and hopefully keep us ahead of the chains, but it's going to set up that play action. It's going to slow down the pass rushers. we got to establish the run. we got to keep with it until it's – 15 rushes for four yards. Okay, then we can go five wide. We can let Wicks and Reed and the boys wreak havoc. Send some bow melt and do whatever we have to do. But until we get to that point, we have to run the ball. Even if we get down by seven or 14, Matt LaFleur, I am begging you, you have to pound the rock. On defense, and we got to get home with four. We got to get home with four. Devontae Wyatt. Might have given, might have given San Francisco some bulletin board material by talking about how if we can get pressure on Brock Purdy, he'll make mistakes. I mean, he's not he's not wrong, right? Very few quarterbacks do better under pressure. Even the great Tom Brady would fold under pressure. But Devontae Wyatt, buddy, this would be a really this would be a really big game and a big opportunity for you to be a part of that, my friend, because we're. We just talked about all these playmakers that San Francisco has. And these guys excel at yards after catch. The coaching staff excels at getting them into positions where they're going to be in the open field, where it's one-on-one, where your guys have to make tackles. I thought against Dallas, overall, the tackling was pretty good. But this team has so many guys that are so elusive. We have to rally and tackle. And Joe Barry is going to really have to pick his spots on when he can send pressure because if you send pressure, you're going to have less guys in the back end. I I really I don't love when we sit back in coverage and don't send anybody. But against this team, the more matchups there are one-on-one, the more nervous we should be, the more San Francisco is going to feast. So I really think the key to this game on defense is the front four needing to get home. Rashawn Gary, you were quiet in Dallas. Buddy, we need you. You are Bane. I need to see it, man. You you wrecked. You wrecked San Francisco 
in that 2021 game, man. You and Kenny Clark were all over it. And I need a similar performance out of you boys, too. There are reports that it may be a really rainy game. I think that does favor us a little bit just because then some of those guys in San Francisco that are really shifty might be a little slower. If it's going to be a rainy game, it could be a little reminiscent of that 2021 game where it was it was a lot of heavy boxes from San Francisco and our boys were able to get through. I said it was a hell of a game for Kenny Clark and Rashawn Gary, and, and we're going to need that. We're going to need that tenacity if we have a chance against San Francisco. A couple other things I wanted to bring up just coming into this game. You know, this team, nobody expected us to be here. I don't even think I expected us to beat Dallas, honestly. But there's no pressure on us. How many times in the matchups with San Francisco before was the pressure on us? Especially 2021, right? We, we were holding on to a sinking ship. It was it was Aaron's last ride. Well, we thought it was going to be. It didn't turn out to be. But that was kind of felt like it was the last hurrah especially with Devontae then being traded afterwards. We have no pressure. Dallas has been, or not Dallas, San Francisco has been one of the top teams in the NFL the entire season. But I know I just Freudian slipped Dallas because I was just going to say, think of all the pressure that Dallas was on. Again, one of the top teams all season. We get up on them and they start looking around what the hell is going on. You don't think we can't do the same thing to San Francisco? This team is too young and just don't know what's going on. Some people have said that they're, they're young and they're dumb, which I don't love. But it's kind of true. Like, we don't have that playoff experience, but it hasn't showed. Because the guys are playing loose. They're playing for each other. They're believing in each other. You know, in the locker room this week, Kenny Clark said that we're going to guarantee a victory, but we're going to go battle. We're going to go fight. And I couldn't love this quote from Matt LaFleur anymore. He said, we're going to come out swinging. And that's exactly what I expect us to do. This is going to be a hell of a matchup. It is. It's one of the absolute best teams in the NFL. If they get through us, they would probably be my Super Bowl pick. But I think we can do it. I think we can do it. I think if we stick, if we stick to the game plan that I described, if we establish the run, if our front four are able to get home, I believe that we can shock the world. We can go into San Francisco and we can exercise some of those demons. A few key players in this game. Kingsley Anagbari tore, tore something in his knee, apparently, so he's done. It sounds like he's probably going to be out for a while, probably the rest of the season. So that means we'll probably have Bretton Cox step up in the rotation. He'll probably be activated. But Nessie... Nessie now becomes the third rusher for sure. He's been turning up a little bit. I said he did have a sack against Dallas. He's been looking better lately. If you remember, Nessie, Iowa's own, played against Iowa State, played against Brock Purdy in 2021. Uh, when Iowa's defense was able to pick off Brock Purdy three times in that game, leading to a Hawkeye victory. So he knows this guy. I need a big game out of you, Nessie. I really do. But I think the three players that are going to have the biggest impact on this game are all seasoned veterans, are all household names, at least for us people who listen to the show, all household names that we know. These are three guys that have been through so many of our playoff ups and downs. And for those of you who watch Game of Thrones, if you remember the, the thought process of the North remembers, 
they remember all the pain, all the tragedies. And I know that these three players remember the playoff losses, remember the pain, remember having to walk off the field, especially against the San Francisco team. Not coming out on top. I'm looking at Kenny Clark. I'm looking at Mr. Utep Aaron Jones. And I'm looking at Darnell Savage to step up big in this game. They remember. That's what I thought after Darnell Savage's pick six, that he remembers. The boys remember. They're going to lead the young guys. And I'm not saying we're going to get it done, but I, I agree with Matt LaFleur. That we're going to come out swinging. Until next time, folks. Go Pack Go.